You're listening to Short Run, WBUR's home for special, limited, long-form and narrative audio series from across Boston's NPR station. WBUR Podcasts, Boston. From here and now in WBUR Podcasts, it's The Great Wager. I'm Scott Tong. We have reached the final chapter of our saga about a secret plan at the highest levels of American government and how it formed one of the most important geopolitical relationships of our time. Now, if you have not listened to episodes one through four, go back, please do that. And okay, onwards, we've been telling a story of communist China and capitalist America becoming friends and shocking Washington and the world 50 years ago. But now in 2022, the animosity is back, in part because China is back as a world power and feeling its oats. People talk all the time about the emergence of China as a great power. And I like to remind them this is what we're seeing is the re-emergence of China as a world power, that China has two millennia experience as a world power. They had a great empire when the Europeans were still painting themselves blue and dancing around campfires. That's Robert Gates, former CIA head, former defense secretary. So how do things fall apart? And what happens now? Jane Perlez, New York Times, over to you. I want to tell you a story that tells us a lot about the power of Xi Jinping, the leader of China today. When I was in China in 2013, Joe Biden came to visit a bunch of reporters, and he told us about a conversation he'd had with Xi. They were walking in the woods, Biden said. They were getting to know each other. They were both vice presidents. And all of a sudden, Xi turns to Biden and starts talking about spy planes. He told Biden, you have to stop sending American spy planes over our territory. Biden told us he replied, if China was more transparent, we wouldn't have to do it. Xi didn't miss a beat. He didn't back off. He kept drilling down. He knew he was about to become China's leader, so he was talking with authority. He was telling Biden, China's getting more powerful. You'd better get used to it. Of course, now, in 2022, both Biden and Xi are their country's top leaders. I can't stop thinking about their walk in the woods. Looking back, China was catching up to the U.S., but the relationship just seemed so much easier. The power balance was still clear, still strongly in favor of the U.S. That's no longer the case. The rise of China has changed everything. We're in a new reality. I'm Jane Perlez, and this is The Great Wager, how Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger made friends with China 50 years ago and how it's all falling apart. Of course, now, in 2022, both Biden and Xi are their country's top leaders. Back then, President Nixon made a bet that a relationship with China would help the United States remain the most powerful country in the world. But the gap has narrowed. Now we're in a dangerous situation. The 
The relationship between the U.S. and China is a total mess. Tension between the U.S. and China over the South China Sea is increasing. There's no dialogue, not even a hint of one. We all knew that China was going to become a huge competitor, that they were developing a really strong economy. And census data show that this year the U.S. has exported only $82 billion to China. That's about a third of the annual stated goal. And with that would come military might. U.S. officials are closely watching the Chinese military's meteoric growth. But few expected it to come so soon. Xi Jinping became China's leader in November 2012. He's been rougher and tougher than anyone expected. At home, he acts as an unrestrained dictator, suppressing free speech, operating massive work camps to put down a Muslim minority. And he's combative abroad. In 2019, when I was getting ready to leave my post as Beijing bureau chief for the New York Times, the relationship between the United States and China had totally tanked. I'd realized this when I was invited to lunch by a friendly Chinese official. I expected a warm farewell. Instead, I got a long lecture on the treachery of the United States. Four hours of it, actually. I was so taken aback, it made me understand just how sour things were getting. The Chinese government now regards America as a nation in decline. They hammer this message every single day. Many people within the U.S. actually have little confidence in the democracy of the United States. And the view from the United States isn't much better. U.S. politicians trash China every chance they get. Because the Chinese Communist Party deliberately lied to the world. China is stealing between 300 and 600 billion dollars a year. Kick their commie asses. We need to win in the Olympics. I started looking at how Nixon reached out to China in the 1970s to understand how the two countries can move forward. Nixon predicted this low moment. He told his biographer Richard Reeves that a clash between China and the United States was inevitable. It might be a shooting war, it might be an economic war, but their interests were fundamentally uh, different over the long term, and eventually they would clash. And the job of the leaders of the West were to prevent that from happening. Nixon worried that U.S. leaders wouldn't be able to do that and that China would win. There's not a lot of optimism right now. Diplomacy, finding common ground, the possibilities feel remote. And John Huntsman, a former ambassador to China, says that is really dangerous. You get a lot of complaining, you get a lot of finger pointing, you get a lot of accusations, but you don't have a lot of thought being given to how we got to where we are today and, and how we get out and how we preserve the world and make it more safe going forward. What we're doing now, just making it a never-ending political circus, is highly detrimental to our ability to operate abroad. Huntsman was also ambassador to Russia, the only American to hold both posts. He would like to see strong diplomacy from the Biden administration, but it's such a different time than the 1970s. The Soviet Union, and indeed China, from a standpoint of security, we had the world's leading economy. We had the indisputably strongest military in the world. We had nuclear weapons. We had global reach. 
We had an array of allies who mattered enormously in those days. Today, it's almost like we're approaching the world from a standpoint of insecurity. A lot of that insecurity is economic. China is critical to the American economy. Trade between the two countries is ever-increasing. Nearly every trip to the store in the United States is linked to China. We don't talk about it very much, but American consumers have enjoyed the benefits of, of China's manufacturing capabilities and, and that global trade for a long time. We talk about the manufacturing jobs lost here in the United States, but we don't talk about the fact that somebody can buy a $6 steam iron because it was made in China. That's former Defense Secretary Robert Gates. He first visited China in 1980. He's been watching China closely for a long time. He says that people from both parties worry that the American economy has become over-reliant on China and that America is helping China's economy outpace its own. But Gates says that economic insecurity is just a piece of the puzzle. There's also insecurity about military power. That worries me a lot more than, uh, than the economic side. When it comes to some important weapons, Gates is concerned that China is now surpassing the United States. For example, their hypersonic missiles. These missiles move far faster than the speed of sound and are almost impossible to detect. A hypersonic can be maneuverable almost to the end. They could launch it and we won't know whether it's headed for Los Angeles or Chicago or New York. No one wants to see that. Min Xinpei is also worried about China's growing military strength. He says the United States needs to be prepared before everything goes to the brink. I think what it should do is it should do everything to prevent a cold war from spiraling into a shooting war. Pei was born in China. He's a longtime American citizen and an expert on U.S.-China relations at Claremont McKenna College in California. He worries that it could take something like the Cuban Missile Crisis to wake up both sides. My fear is that the U.S.-China will not start talking seriously until they've actually gone through a similar episode, a really hair-raising, very dangerous episode in the next, say, three to five years. The subject that really tore at Nixon and Kissinger and that they chose to downplay is now coming back to haunt us, Taiwan. That's the island off China's coast that China claims as its own, with a population now of 24 million people. Taiwan has become a red-hot issue. Tensions between mainland China and Taiwan are putting the U.S. in a tough position and could become a major... The U.S. and China could even fight a war over it. If it comes to that, Gates says China might not behave how you'd expect. Using cyber, they could bring down the entire infrastructure of Taiwan. They could wreck the Taiwanese economy. They could engage in all kinds of sabotage and other kinds of activities on the island that would be difficult to attribute. And then if they wanted to do things that are a little bit more aggressive, the likelihood of the United States being willing to go to war, I think, comes into question. I don't know if you caught that, but Gates, a former Secretary of Defense, is questioning whether America would defend Taiwan, and even implying the U.S. might not prevail. I was stunned to hear him say that. Again, I go back to Nixon. He was a strategist and a gambler, 
He was not afraid to go against the pack. What would he do now? He used the U.S. relationship with the Chinese to put pressure on the Soviets, to make the Soviets feel more vulnerable. For a while, people thought the Biden administration could pull off the mirror image, try to peel Russia away from China. Robert Gates told me that if Nixon were calling the shots now, he'd be trying to do something just like that, trying to recreate a strategic advantage like the one the U.S. had in the 1970s. Where the United States had a better relationship with Russia and China than they had with each other. So that the United States was, if you will, in the catbird seat in this triangular relationship. Obviously, the possibility of strengthening ties with Russia right now is out of the question. Part of the 3,000 American troops being mobilized to bolster NATO's eastern flank in a standoff with Russia over Ukraine. And today, the but it's going to take bold action to make any progress. China is the greatest threat to the security of our country and of the democratic world. The new American ambassador to China is Nicholas Burns, a veteran diplomat. At his Senate confirmation hearings, he was forceful that the diplomacy of the future needs to be more expansive, more nimble, more creative. Remember my friend Huang Hong? She was a child when Nixon came to China. She told us that story about counting cars on the streets of Beijing. In 1973, she was part of the first group of Chinese students to study in the U.S. After all this time, that we have done business, we have become linked, and we have become coupled, and now we're trying to decouple. At the end of the day, I don't think the Chinese know the American system, and I don't think the Americans really understand the Chinese system either. Even before he was president, Nixon said he didn't think the world had anything to gain from cutting off China. We seek an open world open to ideas, open to the exchange of goods and people, a world in which no people, great or small, will live in angry isolation. For sure, there's no going back to China living in angry isolation, or the United States being the sole superpower. So I'd love to know what Nixon would say now. How would he deal with this? He died in 1994. He was fascinated by China until the end. He kept in touch with Mao Zedong until Mao died in 1976. Later, Nixon traveled to China to meet with Deng Xiaoping, the leader who opened China to the world. Nixon never stopped caring about what he'd started. Whether it's president or former president, he had terrific antenna. And he understood that change was taking place. And he wanted to see what it was. This is Nixon's son-in-law, Ed Cox. He says if Nixon was still alive, he'd be trying to find a solution. The president wasn't much for reminiscing. He was always analyzing what's next, where are things going, and that was the fascinating part of being with him. Fifty years ago, Nixon dared to go to China. He set us on a path of decades of prosperity for both countries. Today, some people think he made a mistake that by reaching out to China, Nixon gave away too much. America's military edge in Asia has diminished. Countries there look to China for economic strength. China seems willing to fight a war against the U.S. over Taiwan. And China could win. If Nixon were alive today, he might be saying, 
We should work with China on the big problems, climate change, pandemics, the global economy. Nixon's wager brought a sense of progress and even peace. What's the next big bet? And is anyone at the table? What happens if no one shows up? The Great Wager is brought to you by Here and Now and WBUR Podcasts. Our series was reported and narrated by me, Jane Perlez, and produced by Grace Tatter. Editorial direction from Scott Tong and Jeb Sharp. Sound designed by Paul Vikas and Emily Jankowski and engineered by Mike Moschetto. Our executive producer is Ben Brock Johnson. 